I would say stop wasting time comparing yourself to others, you know, get off social media and focus on yourself. Get out there and shoot and try to improve upon your work. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Howard and welcome to the Musea Podcast. My name is Eric McVeigh and I am a wedding photographer from Oregon and I shoot primarily weddings as well as uh, some editorial and fashion work. So about eight years ago, I was uh, just finishing up my four years in college down at University of Oregon and I was studying digital arts, which uh, is it's akin to photography and it definitely helps out in what I do, but really not photography based in what I was studying. So I was down there going into my fourth year and got a call from my mom one day and she said, Hey, I lined you up for an interview. You're going to be a photographer this summer. And <laughs> I said, I said, huh? What are you talking about? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I'm not a photographer, never really had any interest in photography growing up and really uh, never tried to get into it and didn't know my way around a camera, never even owned a camera. And she said, no, no, you're going to be a photographer. You're going to be great. You're going to do this. And after some persistence, she's kind of this hardcore ex-Marine, very, very nice. I love her. But when she asks something, she means it. So with some persistence, she said, your dad and I, we're going to buy you a camera and you're going to do this interview. And I agreed. And my friend, Stephen Wood, whose family owns PhotoVision, which is the lab that I use, he's kind of my longest time friend. He taught me how to use the camera. I had a few days. I went and did kind of the test shoot for this company, which was a uh, retirement home corporation. Oh, wow. They own homes across the US and Canada where uh, you know retired folks go to live. And they ended up liking what they saw and I booked the job and the gig was to actually travel all over the country to their different communities for a whole summer shooting for them. And the best part of this wasn't that it was how I got my start in photography, but it's actually how I met my wife, Amy, because they paired me up with a gal in marketing and PR for the company for this project. And it ended up being Amy and it was just the two of us traveling all over the country on these one to two week trips, you know, romantic dinners, nights at the movies, hanging out with old folks and, <laughs> and taking pictures. And we've been inseparable ever since. And that was, that was about eight years ago. Wow. That's a heck of a story. <laughs> I know. I like uh, shout out to my mom, Pam. I have her to thank for my career and my marriage. Dang. <laughs> right? <laughs> get her like a gift basket or something. I know. I should probably do something nice for her. It's about time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I'm assuming that that was not a, uh, a film Oh, goodness. Goodness, it was not. (laughs) (laughs) No, on the contrary, I had a Nikon D80, I think, little camera, and we would actually set up kind of a little pop shop interior studio with big lights and soft boxes and a backdrop. And obviously shooting digital, I didn't know what the heck film was at that point, nor did I for a few more years after that. But it was very contrary to what I do now these days. Yeah. Wow. So what happened? So shot that gig. Apparently, obviously, it feels like you liked it. So what happened after that? How did you get into weddings and that kind of thing? 
Yeah. So, you know, after that gig, I thought the type of photography that I was kind of enjoying, even though this was kind of portraiture and working with people, but I really fell more into, oh, I really like shooting buildings and landscapes and things because those are, for me at that time, they were a lot easier and a little bit more inspiring, mostly because shooting people was very hard. I'm not like by nature, an outgoing person. I'm a little bit more quiet and I've become more outgoing kind of as I've continued throughout the years with this job. I think it's made me more outgoing. But, oh, so from there, once that job ended, I wasn't getting booked for other commercial work or shooting buildings. I mean, I tried to like, you know, my parents own a small business and they're in some business groups around town and I, I'd offer, oh, hey, I'll come in and shoot your, your real estate listings or I'll shoot your business. I'll shoot interior shots. And, you know, that was good for like a hundred bucks a pop a couple times a month, but it really wasn't paying the bills. And what happened was people kind of in my inner circle found out that I was a photographer and said, hey, can you shoot family photos for us? Or can you shoot senior photos for us? And eventually a gal who worked for my parents who own a small business asked me to shoot her wedding. So my first wedding was actually on this commune. It's actually partially like a nudist colony. And I remember my whole family came to help me shoot this wedding. And we're we're toting around like a power pack and these massive like studio lights and soft boxes because I still have no idea how to work with natural light and shoot outdoors at this point. I'm just totally relying on the one type of photography that I know, which is kind of, you know, setting up a studio. It took like four of us going around on this commune for this wedding. They're very free spirited folks. And it was such a great experience as a first wedding. I remember shooting their portraits and there's kind of this river in the background and below uh, a man scampers down the rocks, takes off his clothes and starts bathing in the river down there <laughs> while I'm shooting their portraits at my first wedding. So it was baptism by fire, so to speak. <laughs> um, no, but yeah. it was really, really hard at first shooting portraits. That wasn't the only time that Amy and my mom would literally, I mean, I'm like 22 years old at this point, and they're coming along with me to shoot, you know, senior photos because I really don't know how to work with people and pose people. It's hard enough just to figure out this lighting thing, let alone, you know, try to get them to look natural in front of the camera and, you know, figure out my camera settings and all that at the same time. So it was a learning experience. And um, I shot one or two weddings a year for a couple years. And, you know, uh, it was really hard at first, but I got the first few under my belt. It got easier and easier. And I, I started to like it more and more because I actually started to kind of get good at it. And from there, the business grew and it, it's totally what I wanted to be doing. Whereas, you know, at first it was kind of like pulling teeth because, you know, as a quieter person who, you know, d doesn't know photography, that was a tough start. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's kind of interesting to me because it seems like your two early big struggles are like kind of what your work is strongest for now, which is natural lighting and working with people in terms of making it look relaxed. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because I definitely pride myself on those two things, you know, today in 2017, but it did not come without <laughs> a lot of hard work and resistance. I mean, there were many times when I don't know that I wanted to continue to be a photographer, that owning a business and having that pressure and, you know, shooting people was my destiny. I'm, I really don't feel that 
I knew at that point that it was, but having very supportive parents was a big part of that. And of course, Amy, a supportive girlfriend and fiance and wife throughout the years really encouraged me to continue and helped me where I was lacking along the way. And that allowed me to kind of grow in the areas that I was at first, uh, you know, not thriving in. Mm -hmm. What I'm curious, uh, just logistically, how you learned photographing people sure is seeing light differently than natural light did you go to like take workshops you learn online that's a great question and what I always tell people who, who ask you know what's the best way to learn photography and for me it was really getting out there and shooting and trying to get through those uncomfortable moments of you know <laughs> being out there with somebody and really not knowing what to say to them or how to light them it was just going out there and doing it again and I found that Every time I went out and shot, I was learning something new. And that's still true today. And, you know, I guess just the best way to learn and the biggest thing I can say is just to get out there and shoot. And to also, I mean, now today, to never feel like I've got it all figured out. There's always something to gain every time I go out and shoot. So, yeah, I I really think it came from repetition and that's how I, you know, learn how to light and learn how to pose. But then also the last few years have learned how to shoot film. Yeah. Why'd you go to the film route for you? Is that just the look you wanted or is it the pleasure of shooting it or what was it for you? Yeah. So about six years ago, I, I, I'd been shooting digital for a few years and, you know, I'd of course look on the wedding blogs and I think Instagram was around at that point, but probably not too hot, but I would look around for inspiration And what I was finding is that all of the work that I really connected with had one thing in common and that it was shot on film. And so at that point, I knew I had to do kind of whatever it was going to take to get my work to look that way. And if that, of course, the first step was going to be getting a film camera and figuring out what the heck this medium is and what it's all about. And so actually Amy bought me Jose Villa's book right before our wedding. And on the honeymoon, I read the whole book. And the week I got back from the honeymoon, I reached out to Jose because I was just enamored, you know, with his work and enamored with everything he was teaching. And that's really, you know, the inspiration, what I wanted my work to look like. And I wanted to emulate him. And so I emailed him and asked him, hey, uh, I'm thinking about a one-year anniversary session for my wife and I sometime next year. And I also just kind of subtly, kind of an afterthought mentioned, hey, uh, I noticed you're hosting a workshop this fall. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? And he got right back to me and said, hey, if you sign up for the workshop, I'll shoot you and your wife at no charge. And I just couldn't believe the generosity. And like that, I mean, that day I signed up for the workshop and a couple months later went down to Mexico and I had bought the Contex 645 a few weeks before, hadn't even had a chance to shoot a roll through it, but I decided this is the only camera I'm going to bring to Mexico because I really don't want to fall back on for me, what would have been a crutch in, you know, my digital camera. I really wanted to go all in and see how much I could learn in a week shooting film. And I mean, Jose was so generous with his time and teachings. And 
I mean, that week totally changed my life. It was an amazing experience and I learned a ton and I never really looked back after that. I, yeah, I shot the contacts, you know, with the medium format film at the entire workshop and got the photos back and I was totally, totally in, totally obsessed with the medium. And I knew that, you know, shooting digitally, I just wouldn't be happy for my work if I continued to shoot that way. And there's a lot of photographers who I absolutely love and admire and respect their work who do shoot digitally. I, I really don't think, I don't think it's about the medium. It's about the heart behind it and the final product. But for me, it's really a big part of the formula to getting my work to look the way it does and for me to be fulfilled and happy with it. So, you know, after getting back from that workshop, I had a full lineup of weddings booked for the next year because this was in November. And I just said, you know, I'm going to shoot all these weddings. I'm going to shoot as much film as possible. And, you know, it's going to be good for my clients because I know that my work is a better product on film. At least my work is a better product that I'm delivering to them. And I'm going to be able to build this film portfolio really quickly by shooting all of these weddings on film. And I'm gonna get the hang of film and the hang of the contacts really fast because I'm shooting with it every week and multiple times a week. And I was even still shooting, I think about 50 senior photo sessions at that point too. So I was you know, going out with my contacts and shooting film three, four, five times a week for the better part of uh, you know six months, which, enabled me to really learn and grow really quickly and build my film business and build my portfolio exponentially quicker than if I had kind of towed the line and, you know, shot a little bit of digital, a little bit of film and tried to save money. And thankfully, I was still living with my parents for part of that time right out of school. So they were a, a big support. I didn't have to worry about paying bills. I could be paying for film instead. I was not living with my parents when I was married to Amy. I take that back. Oh, but Amy had a full-time job and was able to really support me and that investment in film. Whereas, you know, if I'd had to rely on completely supporting myself, I would have had to take it a little bit slower because it really is a big investment. It was a big investment. So that's a big part of my path and my ability to grow quickly too, was the support system. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, photographic voice or style or mm -hmm. whatever phrase you want to use with that. Some people hate the certain buzzwords that come with that, but, you know, especially within the wedding industry, talking about how you got to where you are and, you know, you're mentioning Jose. I mean, what advice do you have for somebody that from the outside may look and say, you know, if I can just get the same tools, mm -hmm. I, I think there's a temptation to like get this, try to get the same camera, shoot the same film, use the same lab, mm -hmm. that, you know, my work will automatically be like theirs. What would you say to somebody that was tempted to go down that path? You know, probably the biggest thing I would say is don't completely try to emulate another photographer or other photographers. If you spend all your time comparing yourself to others and trying to use this blueprint, I mean, take a Jose, for instance, if you're just scouring and looking at his pictures and saying, I want to do exactly this, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to be fulfilled because that's absolutely never going to happen. Every photographer has their own eye and their own perspective. And I mean, even every wedding that I shoot is going to look 
different because it's a different couple. It's in a different environment. It's a different day. There's different weather. And I can't even expect my own work to look completely the same every time. So I would say stop wasting time comparing yourself to others. You know, get off social media and focus on yourself. Get out there and shoot and try to improve upon your work. Take your work, look at it. If, if you're shooting film, look at the scans and analyze those scans. Talk to your lab, figure out what the heck went right with these and what went wrong and use that information moving forward to grow and improve and hone in on your style because you and only you are going to have your style. Again, if you're trying to emulate someone else's, not only is it never going to happen because there's such a specific formula and not to mention a unique eye that goes into everyone's work, but it's counterproductive. I think you could be putting that energy into looking at your own work and finding out what you need to improve on and how you can learn and build and grow. I'm not sure if I answered your question. I may have gone off on a tangent there. No. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah, I think it's natural to want to copy or emulate people ahead of you mm -hmm. because they're kind of like a guide in a way, a mentor or something. For you, when did you feel like you kind of found your own path? Like how far along was it for you that you kind of felt comfortable mm -hmm. in your own mm -hmm. voice styles? I think that's probably just really within the last few years. I mean, because I started shooting film about six years ago. And at that point, you know, for the first couple of years, I would say I was still very much comparing myself to others like, you know, Jose and Elizabeth Messina and really anything else I could find online. And again, that was counterproductive because I remember right when I started shooting film, I would get a shoot back and I remember thinking, gosh, why doesn't this look more like this shoot from Elizabeth or something five years back, mm -hmm. like this indoor shoot on like a white backdrop. Gosh, why doesn't it look like hers? And, you know, doing all these tweaks in Lightroom and stuff and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, it's, is it my scans? Is it my, is it my lab? What is it? Is it me? And, you know, a few years later, thinking back on that and realizing, well, I don't even think she uses like the same scanner that I use. So those images were never going to look like hers were. And so I should have been focusing on just making the best possible images for myself rather than trying to make them look like hers. And really just within the last few years, maybe three, four years is really when, I think it's just when I gained confidence in my own work and felt like I had my head wrapped around the medium that I was shooting and you know the settings that I was shooting on and the camera that I was using and had confidence in all those elements that I really felt like, okay, this is my style. This is my formula that I use to create the images that I create. And it also probably came from people like, you know, there's a stylist named Jeannie Ah that I work with a ton. And she styled, you know, all the workshops that we had over the past few years. And I just love her to death and respect her opinion so much. And I feel like having the positive reinforcement from people like her to say, oh my gosh, like, I love how you shot this. I love how you shot this shoot that we did together. This is amazing. I think I, I didn't even know what was good at that point for the first few years. I didn't know what was good. I don't think I'd ever been to a wedding. I didn't know the first thing about fashion or editorial or any of that. So people that knew a little something 
telling me, hey, this is good, keep doing this. I think that really helped me to gain confidence in myself and know that the path that I was taking and the formula and the direction were all working. All right, we're going to take a quick break from the podcast, and I want to let you know that we made some t-shirts. You can see those at musea.threadless.com. These are priced as low as we can go with them. You can get a t-shirt in men or women's starting at $12. I think the most expensive is like a little over $20, but we put up some different designs, some specifically for women, some specifically for men, and then just some kind of simple ones. But if you want a t-shirt that has Musea logo and supports a little bit of what we do here, you can check that out at musea.threadless.com. Also, if you ever need a printing, matting, or framing, we can handle that for you. You can go to musealab.com and learn about all the products we offer, all the papers. We specialize in inkjet printing. We specifically work a lot with Hanamil paper, Canson paper, Moab paper, and then our mat board is all museum rag board, top of the line stuff. It's the best mat board you can possibly get. And we can custom cut all of that for you. We can do custom sizes of prints for you. So if you're a wedding photographer, uh, family photographer, fine art photographer, if you need help with an exhibit, any of that we can help you with. So just uh, check us out at musealab.com. All right, back to the show. Okay, so somebody's looking at your work and they see, gosh, he shoots in these amazing locations. He shoots the most beautiful people. They're wearing the most beautiful clothes. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like some people might think if I had access to those locations, people, clothes, that style, that my images look like that. So Mm -hmm. I've had those same (laughs) thoughts before when I was kind of up and coming and trying to get to this point. I guess the first thing I would say is it's, kind of a little bit true. It is. It's easier to make pretty photos in beautiful locations with, you know, expensive dresses. And I mean, not that I think the people I shoot now are any more beautiful than they were than the day I started. But when all of those elements are working, it is definitely easier to create beautiful images. But I guess here's the thing. I mean, first of all, it wasn't always like that. You know, what I always tell people is, when you're building a business and up and coming, you have to, you know, if you're charging $1,500, say, for your, your first couple weddings, you have to take those weddings and make them look like you were charging $3,000. And then the next year, you book this crop of, you know, weddings that are booked for $3,000. And you have to make those look like you were booked for twice as much as that. You have to actively elevate and go out of your way I mean, things aren't always going to be beautiful. Locations aren't always going to be perfect. But, you know, I'm going to show up to a wedding venue, you know, two hours early to find that little corner that looks a little bit prettier than the rest and make it look like an exotic location. And then from that wedding, I'm going to be able to book something a little bit nicer and a little bit nicer and continue growing from there. So I guess first thing is building the business on your own and putting the work in because nobody's going to do it for you. Those types of weddings don't just Mm -hmm. fall in your lap. It comes from hard work and it comes from sacrifice. You know, the first few weddings that I shot in Europe in like beautiful kind of destination weddings, 
I think I paid to shoot those weddings. And, you know, some people are going to cringe when they hear that because, you know, <laughs> as a photographer, you hate hearing that your competition is willing to, you know, shoot at a loss because that's not a sustainable business practice. Yeah. But, you know, I don't endorse that all the time. But in order to grow the business, that has to happen at some point. Somebody's not just going to pay you 10 grand to come to Norway and shoot their wedding just because, like, if you don't have something like that in your portfolio, if you haven't proven yourself before that point, why are they going to invest in you instead of someone else? So you kind of have to pay your dues. And that's what I did. My first wedding outside of the country was a vow renewal in Norway with two awesome film photographers, Wes and Nina, and they were doing their 10-year anniversary. And I met them at Jose's workshop and they reached out and said, hey, this is our budget and we can kind of pay to get you here and pay for your expenses. And I said, heck yeah, I will be there in a second because you know, you're going to have your vow renewal on the top of a cliff in Norway. Why the heck wouldn't I want to do that? And that's going to be a great addition to my portfolio. And it's going to be a fun trip, you know, that I can bring Amy along on too. And, you know, after I booked that, I actually started reaching out to different venues and planners in Europe, in France and Italy and England to say, hey, I'm going to be in the area during this time. I'm willing to shoot at a big discount because, you know, all my travel expenses are already covered and I'm really motivated to shoot over here. And I only got like one response, but it was from this chateau in France. And they ended up booking me for two back-to-back -back weddings for these European couples at this chateau in France. And I went to Europe and did all these shoots and now I have three weddings slash vow renewal to put in my portfolio and I shot them really at a loss of money, but that was an investment in the business. But mm -hmm. all of those were now in my portfolio and they proved the idea that I can go to these places and shoot and they put couples, you know, were able to put their trust in me that I could come and do that. And I was able to book full price gigs because I had those uh, events in my portfolio. Yep, totally makes sense. Let's talk posing for a second. So I would love to know if somebody's coming to you and they're like, I really am horrible posing people or dealing with people, but I really want to shoot weddings or engagements. And yeah, you're, like that. you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah, what are some maybe simple little tips you can say to get somebody started down a path? It's a great question. I wish that I had had those tips when I started because I was god awful. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so I think it's kind of the biggest thing right off the bat is making the couple feel comfortable and not feel like you've got a camera shoved in your face and like it's a photo shoot. You kind of want to feel like you guys are just having a conversation and you happen to be taking pictures. I always tell couples at a time, I give a lot of direction. I'm kind of always talking throughout a shoot. Amy, my wife says that I'm kind of commentating, which I think is, is <laughs> funny. I don't like to think about that too much. I'm kind of commentating and constantly giving positive reinforcement and what they're doing and telling them how beautiful they are and how awesome they look while also obviously keeping things natural. You know, we've all seen the portraits that kind of make you cringe and they're very posed and very formulaic. And that's not what I want my work to look like. So for me, I'm going to get somebody in the right environment with the right light and in kind of 
the curated parts of the shoot and then really just talk to them like they're people. Give them a ton of positive reinforcement. Just keep an ongoing conversation. Keep things moving. And I guess always have an air of confidence in myself. I think probably the biggest feedback I get from couples that makes them comfortable is that I come at them with confidence. And when I talk and tell them, you know, what I want from them, I act like I've been there before, like I've done it a thousand times. And that makes them feel a lot more comfortable. I mean, nobody really likes getting their picture taken. I certainly don't. Actually, one thing that really helped me was also to get my picture taken by some other awesome photographers and kind of pick up some tips and tricks on how they do things. And that actually really added to my mm-hmm. arsenal of abilities in how to pose, how to interact, you know, what it feels like to be in front of the camera. I gained a lot from that. But yeah, I also think one of the feedback that I get from couples the most is that they actually appreciate because I do shoot on film and I do shoot at a little bit slower and a little bit more intentional rate than I did and would if I was shooting digitally. And I think couples appreciate that I'm thoughtful and that I uh, have kind of a slow approach rather than just kind of constantly machine gun fire where they feel like they can hardly take a breath. You know, it's just like, it's this intense photo shoot of constantly clicking. Yeah. You know, I'm taking time in between to, to set things up thoughtfully and they appreciate that I'm looking at things and not constantly shooting and, you know, making sure that hand is perfect or turning their face slightly to make sure the light's just right. I get a lot of feedback that it kind of puts people at ease and that they feel more comfortable and confident in what I'm doing. And that makes them feel like the pictures are going to be great, which is really what everybody wants. Mm-hmm. I used to shoot weddings and things, but when I um, was doing it and shooting film, one of the best times for me was always like when you change your film. Exactly. Sometimes you'll look up from doing the film change and they'll be doing something else finally that's like really natural for them. And then you just like, I'll oh, just keep, you know, keep doing that. Yes, that is to the T. That's something I talk about a lot too. I love that because, you know, you get that 30 seconds or a minute to change a roll of film and it's actually a good little break for them. Mm-hmm. And so often you'll catch them interacting or doing something that is perfectly natural for them and unique to their relationship. And those moments don't always happen when, you know, you're constantly talking and directing because, you know, as a photographer and portrait photographer, you kind of go through your poses and stuff and there's not always room for those in-between moments. So I think being observant and in those in-between moments, you notice those interactions and saying, holy crap, stop. That is amazing. Like I need to shoot that. Those a lot of times end up being my favorite shots and the best pictures of the day. And again, that's something I talk about a lot. It's kind of have your go-to poses and things that you're kind of always going to do on a shoot because you need those things to fill a couple hours. But always be open and observant and have your artistic eye kind of on the ready because some of the best moments are going to happen when you least expect them. Love it. Standing out in a crowded market, a lot of people complain about like, my area is just saturated. I've got a billion people. They're charging $100. I don't know. I can't make money. 
what advice do you have for standing out in such a overcrowded photography world that we live in now? That's a great question and one that I feel like I hear a lot. And, you know, I do hear it a lot, meaning I think everybody feels that way. Mm-hmm. Everybody feels that their market is saturated, that it's a tough go and that it's a tough business and it's a tough market. And you're not wrong. I mean, it's a tough industry. There's a lot of competition and constant turnover of photographers coming in, you know, who are willing to shoot at a low price and it's really tough to compete with. But, you know, the thing I would say to that is just forget about that. Stop thinking about it. Don't use that as a crutch because I guarantee you everybody else is feeling the exact same way and you're in the same boat as everybody else is. Use it to empower yourself. I mean, The best thing you can do is focus on your own work and create the best work possible and keep getting better and better. If you create amazing work that's consistent, you're going to stand out in the crowded market. I mean, you do have to be able to market yourself a little bit too, of course, but creating awesome, consistent work is like the cornerstone for sure. Then beyond that, I mean, for me, growing and being successful, a big part of it was starting at my local market and kind of feeling like I conquered my local market before I branched out into a little bit wider net markets outside of where I lived. So I wanted to be like the guy in Salem, Oregon, you know, the city of 100,000 people. And, you know, that took years. And I don't know if necessarily that <laughs> that ever happened, but that was my goal. Yeah. I uh, relied on like, you know, family and friends to get those first photo shoots and tried to kill it as much as possible and market the heck out of myself in Salem. And once I felt like there was more that could be done, like I could jump out to like say Portland, which is an hour away, I uh, started targeting those markets and then I started targeting California. And that's what enabled me to be successful. I think if you're coming into the market as a photographer today, Social media was different eight years ago. You didn't see all these photographers gallivanting around the globe, you know, (laughs) shooting these beautiful destination weddings. It wasn't like seeing these beautiful lives lived on social media, you know, whether those are real half the time or not, that's up to you to decide. But all I had to look at, I guess, I mean, Facebook was the thing and you didn't really like you looked at wedding blogs and stuff and people were still kind of shooting in their local markets. And so luckily that's kind of what I felt like I should be doing. But now, you know, you come on the scene and see all this craziness and everybody's shooting all over the place and it looks amazing. And Hey, I want to do that. And I think that's counterproductive to start by saying, Oh, Hey, I really want to shoot these destination weddings. I think you got to pay your dues first which is, you know, local market cast a wider and wider net until, you know, you're gradually working all over the place. Because if you try to do it big right from the beginning, I think there's a very select few photographers that aren't kind of going to fall on your face uh, because it's such an uphill battle. Mm -hmm. In terms of standing out too, I think, um, gosh, I mean, look at your Instagram feed Does it look like everyone else's? If it does, you're probably not standing out. I mean, try to do something different. Like one of the most successful shoots that I ever did and one of the most successful shoots for my actual wedding business was like in 2012. And it was like a fashion editorial thing that Amy and I set up 
One day we just said, hey, let's go do a shoot with our favorite model, Meredith Adelaide. And what the heck can we do? And we had this fur coat. I think it was the inspiration. And it was winter in Oregon. And we said, okay, we're going to do this shoot. It's a girl, you know, out in the wilderness. And she's a city gal, but she's now roughing it and living out in the woods. And we got a fur coat and an axe and a bucket and some, some wood. And we created this story with those few elements and went out and shot it the next day. And it ended up being one of my favorite shoots ever and still some of my favorite photos. And, you know, I posted that shoot and I think I got it featured somewhere. And I booked like a bunch of weddings from people that had seen that shoot on Pinterest and on Instagram. And it was because they noticed that my work looked a little bit different. It was something different that they noticed. It stood out and caught their eye. And if I had put that time and energy and investment into yet another inspiration shoot with, you know, a bride and a bouquet and a dress and a table setting, which don't get me wrong, Canon is very beautiful, but it would have just kind of fallen on deaf ears, I think, and kind of uh, just blended into the sea of other images that prospective clients are going to see. But it not only booked me some weddings, but it, I think it got me some cred in the wedding industry too, which you can't discount that either. You know, it's an amazing community that supports each other. And obviously in this, I'm going to call it saturated in quotes market because it definitely is. But much like many other markets, it is hard to stand out. It's hard to stand out to potential clients. It's hard to stand out to planners and other photographers that might send you referrals. But I mean, if you focus on your art, and create something new and interesting and keep up on your social media. Try to post a photo a day on Instagram, even though it's it's really tough to grow, you know, now in 2017. It's a jungle out there. <laughs> and SEO was huge for me as well. You know, watched a couple free yeah. tutorials on that, made sure I had my stuff together on that front. And I think those are some of the biggest things that allowed me to grow. Again, like when I was doing the majority of my growing, it was, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013. And the world was a different place for photographers <laughs> back then, back then, a, a massive three years ago um, than it is now. Right. And I find myself constantly having to reevaluate what can a photographer do to stand out in this market? Because I feel like it changes every year. So I guess... Uh, in that vein, don't just keep doing the same thing if it's not working. Don't keep paying for vendor listings, you know, on some of the wedding blogs if they're not creating leads. Because just because they were last year doesn't mean they're going to this year. Things have a tendency to change really quickly. And staying in tune with your business and staying active is very important because it's what's going to get you a leg up on the competition. Mm-hmm. How do you avoid burnout? What's what do you do for yourself to stay fresh? Well, one of the biggest things for me was actually switching to shooting film because I could see it like it was right there in front of me, you know, spending 12, 15 hours editing each wedding, which I was doing when I was shooting digitally. I know a lot of people have it down to much more of a science, but at that point I didn't. And I knew that I could not sustain that for you know, 5, 10, 15 years, if that's how long that I want to be a wedding photographer. So I knew that switching to film, you know, that investment in film, which can be quite expensive, 
was actually going to allow me some longevity and allow me to do this job for a lot longer than I would have been able to do otherwise. I think when I'm not shooting, I'm not really thinking about shooting. I'm going to take time with family and friends. I'm not looking really at anybody else's work. I try not to think about photography and that keeps me fresh. You know, I can take a month between weddings sometimes and go back and shoot and it's going to be fun for me. It's actually going to be fun to get out there and shoot a wedding because I'm doing what I love and I wasn't doing it for the past five days. It doesn't feel like a day job. It actually feels like a treat. Hmm. So that helps me keep things fresh and keeps me inspired and I think will allow me to do this for a lot longer than if I was constantly thinking about photography. I think the burnout rate in this industry is rather high. You don't see a lot of photographers who are 40 plus years old. And I think there's a reason for that. Yeah. What are some of the maybe, I don't know how to quantify this, two or three biggest mistakes you've made to get to where you are now? Ooh, just two or three? Do we have time for like, 15 to 30? Two or three. No, not 20. Right. Okay. Ooh, that's a good question. All right. A couple of the biggest mistakes I made were early on in the business. First of all, it was feeling like, you know, well, not putting in the work, feeling like, oh, I have my own business. This is really cool and fun. I can set my own schedule and thinking that I can just kind of cruise and that it's not a nine to five job and I've got a lot of freedom. And I was young at that point. And don't think I knew how to really work hard. And I learned pretty quickly. You know, people started getting on me about, you know, taking too long on their photos because I really was. I wasn't getting back to people on emails. And I was making all those young, stupid, well, I wasn't young enough to even like give myself an excuse, but just dumb mistakes with running a business, running it the wrong way. And taking it for granted, really. So I think learning hard work was one of the biggest things I've gleaned just from running a business for this long. And yeah, getting behind, like getting behind, having that wedding sitting in my Lightroom for months and just letting it like loom over my head or having that full inbox where you're just kind of dreading it and you're never really fully like happy because it's always in the back of your mind. Just like get that stuff done so you can go out and enjoy life and enjoy the world and make your clients happy. It took me way too long to figure that out. There was a year or two when I started the business that I probably lost a few gigs because I was just kind of being an idiot. (laughs) So curious what it's like having 111,000 Instagram followers. (laughs) I don't know. I get get on there about once a day for for five minutes. Um, Really like for me... That is so unimportant, I guess, just on like a, it it doesn't like make me feel good about myself or anything. I don't have like a lot of pride in that. I think I have pride in in the fact that that means that I've been doing a good job at running my business. And that's where I get a lot of joy. I don't get it from, you know, a bunch of followers or magazine features or whatever. You know, if I... (laughs) have a, you know, a magazine feature or something. I look at it for about five seconds and I say, that's cool. That's awesome. Pat myself on the back and move on to the next thing. I think it's definitely an avenue 
to really what it's just it's a way to to advertise myself and I feel so thankful that I was able to build up that following and that I have this audience that's supporting me it's definitely humbling and I love being able to share my images with that many people and hopefully it, it helps me book more work you know people tell their friends to check me out and hopefully my feed looks good and I might get an inquiry from that. That's really, to me, what it's all about. It's about booking more weddings, working with more great clients and continuing to propel my business forward. It's not like a pat myself on the back. This is so great. It's a, you know, a hundred thousand followers or whatnot. The social media thing, I think it's great for uh, getting your work out there and advertising, but I uh, don't want to live vicariously through it or let it define me, if that makes sense. Yep. That's good. A couple more questions here. Tell me about, so I know you got this online photography course thing. What's your site? What is that about? It looks pretty thorough. It is thorough. Oh, I thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> so a few years ago, my wife and I, we were doing uh, in-person big workshops in Oregon and California where about 20 to 30 photographers would come along and join us. And we do, you know, awesome style shoots and hang out for a few days. And those were absolutely amazing and an amazing experience for us. And I'd like to hope for them too. Um, but at a certain point, you know, we knew that with growing a family and things changing in life that we wouldn't always be able to do those in-person workshops because they take, I mean, for Amy, it was almost a full-time job with communication and setting those things up logistically and making them run you know, as good as we wanted them to run and be as good of an experience as uh, we wanted them to be. So we knew we couldn't deliver that same level of experience if, you know, say we have kids and we don't have as much time. So we decided we were going to phase those out and instead that we were going to do an online photography course and basically put absolutely everything that we've learned over the past eight years all in one place. And the cool thing is that Amy's background is in PR and marketing. And she came on with me full time after we got married. But before that, she was entirely in the corporate world with the PR and marketing stuff. So we have a great dichotomy of, you know, the photography thing and the social media marketing, advertising, getting yourself out there thing. So we spent thousands of hours putting this course together and it's like 750 pages we went to california and new york and oregon to do these instructional videos where i do a shoot and talk about what i'm looking for and what i'm shooting during the shoot and then share those galleries as well with anybody who has the course so you can kind of scroll through the galleries of the film images that were shot while you're watching the videos of seeing what it really looked like in person when we were shooting. And I think that's such a cool way to learn. That's one of my favorite things about the course. But yeah, it's like 13 chapters and a ton of images and pages. It's not just all images by any means. There's lots of, lots of really great content just about how we built the business all about film photography, lighting, technical, really everything we can think of. We wanted to do this one time and do it the right way. And I'm really a perfectionist in kind of everything I do, at least based around photography. And I am like couldn't be happier with how it came out. I think if I had even missed one thing that I really felt like 
I should have included. I would kind of be hard on myself and I haven't thought of anything. So I know that that means we did a pretty good job. But yeah, we put this out about a year or two back and it's had a great response. I think everybody's been pretty happy with it. And I just love the educational part of being a photographer and the connections. It's just continued that. We had so many personal connections with photographers coming to our workshops and these ongoing lifelong relationships. And it's enabled us to kind of continue that. Uh, We have a private Facebook group where we all still interact and talk photography. And I think that's pretty cool. And it's allowed us to keep in touch with a ton of photographers and talk photography on a daily basis via the Facebook group and kind of uh, fulfill the educational portion of what I do. Because I do love to teach a little bit, even though, again, I don't think I have it all figured out by any means. But I'm glad that I can impart something from the, the last few years of working hard on the photography business and trying to figure this whole thing out. Nice. Yeah. Congrats, man. It looks really, really slick. So yeah, I just was really impressed with it. So just wanted to say good job. Thank you. I appreciate that. So last question here is what are maybe a couple other photographers that you look to now, maybe for inspiration, people you're finding in 2017 that are, you know, keep you going? Man, I am the worst possible person to ask about this because <laughs> okay. I, uh, <laughs> like, I don't look at anybody. I don't look at anybody. anybody. Um, you know, for inspiration, like I listen to music and and stuff. I don't I don't really look at art or photography. I'm the worst. Whenever anybody asks me, like, "Hey, who's like a photographer whose work you follow and you're inspired by?" Um, of course, like Jose is always going to be right up there at the top for me. Not only in terms of someone that I admire for everything that they are, but for someone who did so much for me to help me grow. And of course, just uh, maintaining like a consistent high quality of work. But beyond that, like I do, I look for inspiration in other areas and I wish I could drop some names here, but apologies. (laughs) That's right. Well, tell me what inspires you, what gets you going? Music, movies, just conversation with friends. What is it? I think family and friends are like definitely what my life revolves around. You know, I live in the same place that I grew up and thankfully I can do this job from here. I don't have to move to a major market. I live in a small market, kind of a smaller town and you know, I'm a homebody. Like I like being at home. I like hanging out with family and friends at night and on the weekends. I have a new daughter who's, you know, obviously means the world to me now and everything from here on out is all about her. And, you know, those are the things that bring me joy. And then from an artistic standpoint, I have a couple of friends who got me into, you know, good music early on in my life when I was probably listening to uh, all top 40 Z100 round the clock (laughs) (laughs) and uh, told me, no, you got to listen to Radiohead (laughs) instead. I've had an appreciation for that, uh, you know, I'll always have some good music in the background while I'm hanging out with the little one or editing film scans. Yeah, love it. Man, thanks so much. I know you're like crazy busy and you got a lot going on. So I really thank you for taking the time to chat. It's good. Michael, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And I look forward to hearing this. All right. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I want to thank Eric again for uh, coming on the show. It was great to talk to him. Make sure to check him out on Instagram if you aren't already. I'm sure most of you are, but you can find him at Eric McVeigh, E-R-I-C-H-M-C-V-E-Y. 
and his website is ericmcveigh.com. Thanks so much to James Sweeting for helping edit and put this podcast together. Also, thanks to our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash musea. If you would like to support us there, please visit our Patreon page and read all about the rewards and such that we've got going on there. All right, thanks so much and see you in two weeks.